Do you want to start this one? I started the last one, so you should go first on oh, this one. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 yeah. Because I ranted about Twilight, and this is how I know our phones listen to us, okay? Is because all of a sudden, I have gotten so much social media content about Twilight, and the other thing, I'm in a, you can absolutely feel free to put this into the episode somewhere, I am in a really dark place of deciding that I have started watching Dance Moms from the very beginning, oh no. all the way through, and the fact that we just let those poor kids be like publicly emotionally and mentally abused for so much of their life. What I was going with that is uh, my phone has also started giving me a bunch of Dance Moms content. Um, so right now, my phone is Twilight and Dance Moms, so I'm having a great time. Oh my goodness. Well, anyways, welcome to Resonant Reels uh, podcast, where we just watch TV and movies, you know, and just talk about it, how we feel. It's what we like to do in our free time. I'm Adam. Yep, that's Adam. I'm Chandler. Uh, we're figuring it out. So it's, it's been a busy week for me. How's how's your week been? It has been. I have like busy days and non busy days. So I had my exit interview for my teaching job. So like that happened. Um, and I am in the adult world currently of like figuring out insurance now that I am not working for the school anymore. Yeah. So that's been fun. But I I have a new like part-time job, which is really nice. So I do online remote customer service or gift cards. When I was interviewing, like was interviewing for like the night hours. So for example, like I work from 1030 to 2am tonight slash tomorrow morning. So, but yeah, I mean, it pays well. It's an independent contractor tax form. So like I'll get fucked on my taxes for this year with a 1099 but whatever <laughs> i i feel that i feel them the feel that so hard you know because i'm just I've, I've i've taken a break but i've got you know independent gigs coming up and i'm like oh yeah this is the freelance life this is what it's like again and like it's changed recently in the united states tax area when it comes to certain freelance work because I had to, I realized there's a new tax form type and I was like, oh, that's fun because of, you know, pandemic stuff. So yeah, new, new things were put into place because, you know, our country wasn't ready for a bunch of online remote work and what that means for a lot of the booming industry, I guess, in a lot of places. Totally. So, so today we are chatting about Breaking Bad. Yes. Season one, episodes one through four. I kind of want to let you kind of just kind of like go for it. Sure. Because you've never seen it, right? So I've never seen it at all. So this is like very far from my, I, I feel like my interest when it comes to like media and things like that. And one of the reasons that I will give is I have a weird, I can't even call it a phobia because I'm not scared of it, but I have a weird physical reaction anytime people excessively talk about drugs um, and not like not not weed but anything really harder than than weed like if I'm with friends and they're talking about like oh I heard about this one person who had a really bad acid trip and now they're like permanently fucked up and think that they can talk to angels if that conversation goes on for too long I will like get super sweaty super like lightheaded and like will borderline pass out and so obviously you can imagine that like if i'm watching something that is showing any sort of like 
needle use or anything like that, I don't do well. And so I think that might be why I actively avoided Breaking Bad as a show, considering the main plot point is that they are dealing with hard drugs. But oh my god, I I binged it. I binged the whole first season. I watched the first episode and I was like, I get it. First episode aired in 2008, which would have put me in middle school. That is reasonable as to why maybe I also just kind of missed that initial craze. And like I mentioned last time, I, I know that when I was in high school, it was still like a very big, a very big thing. Um, but I can understand why in my household, uh, it was not on the television. So right off the bat, I mean, the first thing is Brian Cranston's a beast. Like what the actual hell i have like the biggest talent crush on that man now and like and to preface the only other thing that i had seen him in consistently was uh malcolm in the middle because that was something that i watched truly i don't think anything else until i just watched drive and so to see just his depth of character like these people to me are are all fairly like television characters, whatever. And then there's Walt. And I am like, Walt is a real human being. This is the Truman show. I was like, I am I am astounded by just by him. Like I, he he makes this so good. I will also say that one of my favorite shows in the entire world is Bojack Horseman. And so the first time that I heard Aaron Paul speak I did not know that he was the voice actor for Todd. And so every time he says anything as Jesse, I have to like consciously in my brain be like, this is not like a sarcastic idiot that like <laughs> that is in animated form um, in a TV show. I was like, this is someone who is like fully a, a drug addict slash dealer. So that was like a funny thing that I had to deal with in the first few episodes, just like, changing my brain uh anytime that he would come on screen so i guess i can just talk like from the beginning yeah let's start with episode one so episode one is the pilot episode right off the bat like i loved the way that they showed the ending of the episode towards the the beginning because it really did set it up i was like are they showing me the end of the season and we're about to like go through everything i thought that was a really cool choice and it definitely hooks you because right away you're i, I mean i was just like oh wow like he's fully about to get arrested um and then we go through the the whole episode and i think like to to realize then you know at the end in that moment that it's just a bunch of fire trucks that drive straight past him after seeing Walt at his end. He literally pulled the trigger of the gun like underneath his head and it didn't fire. And then for it to immediately fire when he pointed it at the ground, that was like, that gives such, I don't know, like background to, I feel like the way this whole season goes is just, there's no reason that he shouldn't be caught, that he shouldn't be getting like into more trouble than he is. And yet everything just works out for him, except for the fact that he has horrible lung cancer, which I think just as a storytelling device is unique. I feel like a lot of, you know, other drug related or like cartel kind of stuff. It's just like, 
well, this is the way it is, or it's a family business, or they're doing this to like survive. And this is such an interesting and different take on survival. He's like, well, I'm going to die anyway. And so his son, Walter Jr., I love him also as a, as just like a character. He's so good at just being a teenager who's pissed off. And I like that they didn't necessarily hinder on the disability of not hinder his disability is obviously a part of him but they didn't make that like his defining like thing and i liked that a lot because it was like this is just a family of people who are dealing with a lot of stuff so for walt to turn to drugs like just immediately so walt's brother-in-law is a dea agent um who is the most just Early 2000s, I feel like DEA border patrol personality that like you could possibly conjure. Um, they were throwing out all sorts of, well, actually not they, just Hank was throwing out all sorts of like racial slurs towards like Hispanic people when his like partner is Hispanic as well. I feel like that was very early 2000s as well. Like just that idea, especially, you know, I mentioned I, I, I'm from Arizona, grew up in Arizona, like that really is the, or I don't want to say is currently because I know it's trying to change, but especially in like this time, early 2000s, like was the the mindset. It's like, oh, it's, it's always going to be the Hispanic people like who are bringing in the drugs with the cartel and stuff. So the fact that they really committed to that with this DEA agent, I thought was a good thing because it it was accurate and they're assholes. But the fact that Walt just calls him up and is like, can I actually take you up on that offer? Like to watch a raid of a meth lab. Which is completely illegal. Like you're not allowed to do that in real life. Which is so not allowed at all. Like it was, and, and I was like, wow, okay. Like he made a choice and, and went for it. And to be contrasted with the fact that he teaches chemistry in a high school, which, oh my God, I've never seen a more realistic portrayal of trying to get kids to answer a question when it is the answer is literally written on the board behind you. And you're like, can anybody tell me the answer to this question? Blink, 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 stone-faced. And then someone raises their hand and says something that is not accurate. And you just have to go like, yeah, and... and (laughs) To have those scenes kind of go back to back of like him teaching in the classroom, him on this meth lab raid in the back of the cop car with these DEA agents. And that is when he sees not meets uh jesse pinkman because apparently this like drug addict dealer guy is a former student of walt's at the high school and so i thought that that was a cool tie-in but walt watches him as his like brother-in-law and partner are going into like the the meth lab to like clear it out and like they wound up arresting a cooker guy in there. He watches Jesse like drop from the second store balcony of the next window. And there's just a topless woman. And it's very clear that they were hooking up as he's like freaking out and literally like jumping off the second story. And then he and Walt see each other and Jesse just books it. And so that was also like just a moment of there was no dialogue, but you could just see Brian Cranston go through the thought process of like, okay, 
this is even more of an in. So he was like, I came to this meth lab. And then after Jesse runs away, his brother-in-law comes back and he's like, do you think I could go inside? And Hank's like, yeah, we could probably take you in. And I was like, wow, we're absolutely not. Like we're just breaking all sorts of laws. But that is really where he like gets his ideas for everything. He realizes that you need like the respirator masks, which becomes like a larger thing throughout the season. Then the, the episode basically culminates with Walt and Jesse like getting this RV because Jesse's like, I don't really want to cook with some old man. But he's like, but okay. So they buy this RV, they drive it out to the middle of the desert. Walt strips naked minus like some tidy whities and puts on an apron and makes meth in the middle of this RV in the middle of the desert. And then we're told that it's like, really good meth, uh, according to Jesse. He's like, uh, I have no idea what the standard is, but apparently glass is what is what we should go for. Yeah, it's like the size of crystals and the clarity of it or something. It's like, are we talking about gems at this point? Like I don't I don't fully comprehend. <laughs> I'm such a crystal boy, so like I I was like, yeah, I love like <laughs> two inch quartz. I don't know, whatever. So we find out it's good, cool whatever. Jesse takes that and like goes to try to sell it to this guy who I guess was the distributor for him and the guy that we saw get arrested. There we find out that his ex-partner who got arrested was released on bail. And then him and the distributor are cousins. And they basically like almost beat him up. And he's like, wait, 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 no, I can like, I can take you to the guy who cooked this. Because he's an idiot. Like Jesse is so dumb like he's so dumb he just makes so many bad decisions and then so he drives them or like has them drive out to the rv and walt is basically like what the fuck is happening like has no previous understanding at all of like who these guys are or anything then unfortunately the ex-partner recognizes walt from sitting in the back of Hank's cop car. And so they pull guns and they're literally about to murder Jesse and Walt. And Walt's like, wait, 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 let me show you like how to like, let me show you my recipe. Like, let me show you that that I can cook this. And they're like, yeah, okay, cool. Like we'll steal your recipe. And then it's pretty like easy to understand that they're going to totally murder these guys afterwards. And so next thing we know, Walt's cooking and he explodes intentionally what he's working on to kill them because there was like previous references during the raid to phosphine gas and about how like a single whiff can like kill someone so walt who we have established in 20 minutes is like some sort of molecular chemistry genius uh just whips up phosphine gas in this rv and effectively murders these cousins And then that is how the episode starts is all of a sudden then he just starts driving this RV into a ditch in the desert and he hears sirens. So we're like, okay, so it's not the end of the season. That's fully just the end of this episode. Great. And then he's standing there again. He's got, he puts his button up shirt back on still just in tidy whities holding a gun in the middle of the road, just like pointing it out, which I'm guessing he's like, gonna try to do a a death by suicide like when you know you pull a gun on the cops and so they just shoot you but then like like i said tries to shoot himself doesn't work and then in the most like perfect moment 
he sees that it's just three fire trucks and they all drive directly past him. And like, don't look at him. Don't stop by the RV. They just keep going down the road. And then that's literally it. Like that's, that's how the episode ends is like that moment. And you're like, wow, he really just got through that. And so to have that be the first episode, which is also, I noticed because I was trying to time out when I could watch all of these, it's about 15 minutes longer than all of the other ones in the season. So this one was about an hour and all the other ones run about 45 minutes. Because I think we both watched it on Netflix and Netflix, this is actually the extended pilot. So it's an extra 10 minutes on top. I think the additional scenes were like Jesse falling out the window. Okay. That whole like small segment is added. And then uh, it was like a couple other small things here and there, but like just it adds up in building the world better in the pilot. Because it's such a strong pilot. I loved it. I'm, I'm actually really... I'm I'm surprised that this isn't what just like aired that this is the extended version because I I truly can't imagine anything taken out of it because it it did like you said it just built the world so well because I'm rewatching it because I've seen this all before kind of thing so it's like it's like my fun guilty pleasure be like I get to go watch it again but talk to someone who's never seen it and it's been really interesting looking back because I'm just realizing like how much good writing is in this show and it's just it's it's so much of it's Vince Gilligan. So this first pilot is both written and directed by Vince Gilligan. And just like from the get go, he just being someone who's like coming back to it. Like I'm noticing, oh, he's making these big theme choices that are going to continue throughout. And like one of the things like I just from the first episode that just like caught my attention was Walt's speech in chemistry class about change, like how chemistry is about change. And it's just this like little monologue. And I'm like, that's what this whole first season's going to be about. Like every episode is going to be this pivotal change of character that we're going to watch Walt and a bunch of other people go down, which, you know, kind of is already true because it's all encapsulated, like quickly encapsulated in the first episode of like big monumental change because it's a chemistry teacher who decides to start cooking meth because he got diagnosed with lung cancer. Like that's some big life changes. <laughs> that is the basis of the show. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I I do love the Hank and Gomez DEA partnership because it's like it's like it's the stereotypical buddy cop, but like brilliantly written that it's like accurate because I just kind of like deep dove in like a little bit of trivia on each episode. So apparently studio executives wanted Walter White to be played by either John Cusack or Matthew Broderick, and they both turned it down. Interesting. Fascinating to think, what if, yeah, they were Walter White, but you know, we we can't replace Brian Cranston. He's too good. It's so good. That would be a whole different show. Yeah, crazy to think about. And then apparently they actually contacted an actual DEA agent who was on set to help provide instructions on how to synthesize meth. So they got like one-on-one teachings and i'm like i guarantee there's like now don't go home and do this sure they probably had to sign all sorts of like paperwork (laughs) throughout the first season and i guarantee the rest of the series kind of thing there's all these like little easter egg nods to the x-files because that's like that was vince gilligan's like first big gig he was hired on as a writer and then became like an executive producer on the X-Files. So there's this cigarette brand in there called Morley, which is a play on Marlboro. And it's a you know, it's appeared in the X-Files and such. So it's just kind of funny. And it's just it's just such a strong pilot because it's just it. I think it helped redefine what television pilots can be 
where it's just like, no, you can do a crazy intense story as long as it's well written and you can relate to the characters. Because, you know, I would say most television is just like kind of like family sitcoms in general, right? That's like some of the biggest or like soap opera type stuff. But like, I I mean, especially at this time in 2008 when this came out, right? And I think this like really like showcased to like networks and stuff like you can do more serious television and like that's probably how we got like game of thrones and stuff like that after this and everything but yeah let's let's hop into episode two cats in the bag dot 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 it's there's a there's some ellipses after so yeah i i think one of the things you mentioned is like his lecture from episode one about change i i noticed that like a, there are a lot of um not not a lot, but like a handful of those kind of very like monologue type moments that just have such like existential philosophy assigned to them that so clearly come back. And like, I didn't dislike it because it was very obvious of like, oh, this thing about change is going to be what, you know, it's going to be the, the driving force of the season or, you know, things like that. But I didn't mind that it it was clear that those were important chats, you know, is like, I think that sometimes shows that are heavy handed in that way. You're like, okay, like leave something to my imagination. But this is in in this way, I just feel like it works so well. And so at the top of episode two, we find out that one of the guys did not actually die from the phosphine gas, which was horrifying. That was disturbing beyond belief and something that this show does really well is it manipulates me into having sympathy for people that I should not have sympathy for and I like when a show can do that because like you know consciously I can be like no that character's fucked up like fuck that guy but like in the moment I'm like oh like I feel bad that this guy like it can't function with lung capacity anymore and is like wheezing so basically crazy eight is the name of the distributor guy and he's the one who's still alive more or less it's a very sad existence at this moment he wakes up and like at this point like walt has gone back to his family he's like i don't want to deal with this anymore this was a horrible experience like i'm done i'm gone like Jesse, you can fuck off. And Jesse keeps trying to call him at home. And so like, he calls and starts like leaving a voicemail about being like an AT&T like provider. And it's just so bad and not like at all planned. And it was like at the breakfast table, like with his wife and son and jumps up to answer it and and has to try to be like, I'm very happy with my service right now. You know, I'm sitting down with my family. Uh, thank you so much. And, and it was so bad that Walt's wife, Skylar, like gets a feeling of like something weird is going on. And also, meanwhile, his family has no idea that he has cancer. And like that plays into this a lot. And I felt like an underlying tone because she never did. I don't know if they decided to not go that way in writing, but like, I don't know if you're a wife, right? And your husband is out late at night until two o'clock in the morning, like not coming home, being super distant, despondent, like you would probably be like, are you cheating on me? Like, are you stepping out? And like, that's never brought up as a direct 
concept. She, it's, it's mostly just like, where are you? Like, what are you doing? So Skylar Googles the number that Jesse called from and <laughs> it takes her to this site that is just like a bunch of oh just early internet flashing naked women like weed symbols and she just goes milfs what's a milf and uh, meanwhile she's pregnant which is a very funny like dichotomy and so like that is that's her relation and then like she sees jesse's name at the bottom and sees that his he lists his education like this is almost as if this is his like professional website and sees that like jesse went to the high school that that walt teaches at there's also that conflict so Skylar's basically like, what is up with my husband? Walt is like, I have cancer and also made meth. And Jesse's like, hey, Walt, there is a dead person in the RV and also a not dead person uh, also in the RV. There's just like, it's just a mess. And so then we like very quickly have the um, incident of Crazy 8 got out of the RV and is just like wandering down the street. He looks like a zombie. He looks like a zombie lost. And it's like, it's it's both hilarious, but also terrifying at the same time, right? And like, they spin it so well because you're just like, that's just a ridiculous, because like, you're, you're following Jesse and Jesse's like, he got out, he got out. And then just straight cuts and you just see this guy like walking like a zombie down the street. And it's like, you laugh and then you're like, Wait, what? Yeah, and he's fully wheezing because, again, he's inhaled poison gas that has wrecked him. And so then we see Walt, like, driving up the street because he found Crazy 8, saddles up next to him, and Crazy 8 sees him and, like, tries to start running and runs straight into a tree, which is, again, a moment where you laugh and then you're like, wait, fuck <laughs> like you're like none of this is good not a single part of this so they wind up like taking him and like taking a bike lock around his neck in the basement of jesse's house walt leaves and jesse tries so they they like flipped a coin so and the coin basically said jesse has to take care of the dead body and walt has to murder crazy eight and like figure that out so walt is obviously not a part of this like crime lifestyle and so he just can't do it and like often leaves and so at one of the moments when he's not at jesse's happens to be when jesse decides to finally take care of the dead body out of the rv so he's lugging it out and who shows up other than skylar at jesse's house to basically start giving a perfectly like mom lecture about how he needs to stop trying to sell marijuana to Walt because that was Walt's story when Skylar confronted him of like who's Jesse to you and he was like he sells me pot like in the middle of a ultrasound like doctor's office appointment and so Skylar goes to basically tell Jesse like you shouldn't be selling pot like what are you doing with your life also don't sell pot to my husband. And like, there is fully a dead body just on the floor behind the car as she attempts to like get on the property. And so then she drops to Jesse 
in that whole like lecture that her brother is a DEA or her brother, her brother-in-law too is a DEA agent. And so that's how Jesse kind of like puts those pieces together. And cause she's like, she goes, Walt told me everything. And Jesse's like, Oh, did he? Yeah. Like, I'm sure you're, I'm sure your husband told you everything. That was very funny. And then, Oh my God, the grossest part of this episode for me was like, Again, we know that Walt is like a chemistry genius. And so he is trying to tell Jesse how to dispose of this body. And they go the acid route. Like they're going to try to like acid the body. And so he tells Jesse, like, you need to go get a very specific type of plastic tub. Jesse calls him from the store and again this just goes to show like what a good back and forth there is of like these comedic moments and also being like this is very dark and gruesome but he's at the store and he finds the type of tub that he's supposed to have and there's a like very brief montage of jesse trying to like get into the tub to like see if it could actually like hold a body and then we cut away so we don't actually know like what happens after that like walt comes over and again he cannot kill crazy and so jesse starts to get like pissed where he's like i've dealt with my business like your business is downstairs and in jesse going on this rant about how he's taking care of his end of the coin flip he reveals that he has the body decaying and acid in the bathtub and immediately it is like they run to the hallway and the bottom of the floor underneath the bathtub crashes down it has been eaten through by acid and we just watch gory bodily decay drip down from the ceiling and splatter all over the hallway and it was disgusting like absolutely just so fucking gross and also taught me that acid can eat through porcelain it's like a it's like uh you know I'm learning things in this show as I watch it, you know? So we watch that happen. And then they're basically just having to clean that whole thing up, which is like they're suited, they're scrubbing. It's horrible. At one point, they're like washing each other off in kiddie pools with hoses, just like both aggressively mad at each other and like spraying each other down. But then we get this like foreshadow moment at the at the very end, which... I said the respirator masks become like a larger thing. So in the panic and craziness of like the RV getting put into a ditch and whatever, which I did forget to mention, they get towed out by like an indigenous man who just has zero time. Like they're trying to give like a very elaborate explanation as to how they're naked or well, at least that why, why Walt isn't wearing pants and like how they wound up in this ditch. Meanwhile, Jesse's got like a busted face because of everything. And this guy is just standing there. Like he could not give less of a fuck. Like don't know if he even understands what they're saying. He's just standing there in the wind kind of majestically. But anyways, so he, he tows them out and then at the end of episode two we see this like young girl pick up a respirator mask in that part of the desert that had been uh dropped from the rv in all of the chaos so most of this episode was i feel like this one had more comedic moments kind of this this was the like 
serious bad things are happening and here is all of the comedy that is resulting from them for the audience not for obviously the the characters like there was just a lot of irony throughout some you know information about the episode i guess uh so this episode was also written by vince gilligan it was directed by adam bernstein and it's funny because i i forget how big Breaking Bad was, you know, like it was so big because this is also Mythbusters was going on and Mythbusters did a whole special episode on Breaking Bad. Oh, dang. So one of the one of the myths that they busted was the uh, uh, the dissolving properties of hydrofluoric acid. Like it can't actually do what it says it does, apparently. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't actually learn anything. And science class in this show was a lie. Noted. Yeah, uh, I think there's more uh, Mythbusters things they do later, depending on episodes and stuff, because it's just like it was that big of a show. It became that much of a phenomenon. One thing that really like stood out for me, I've been paying attention to a lot of the writing more so in this rewatch for me. There's another, you know, chemistry lesson that Walt does and he talks about chirality. It plays on this whole like duality way he talks about it. He's comparing it to chemistry and molecules, how when molecules are I'm not I'm not proficient in chemistry I studied physics so like it's a little opposite end of the spectrum for me um how certain mel- molecules com- uh, combine in one way uh their mirror image the other way does something completely different kind of thing and it like, kind of plays on like Walt kind of is doing this like split life right now but you start seeing cracks through this episode because he has that whole explosion to Skylar at the ultrasound. And, and I just love the quote at the end. It's just like, can you just please climb out of my ass? <laughs> <laughs> and it was said so nicely. And like the first time we've ever really seen him have that kind of language or reaction with her or anyone really. Yeah, exactly. And it was just like, oh, oh, people are going to start noticing Walt is... Something's wrong with Walt. All right. And then and then this next episode and the bags in the river. So it's kind of like continuing on hints in the episode titles and directed again by Adam Bernstein and written by Vince Gilligan. So, yeah, they they kind of continued. One of the things that I noticed because I looked it up that I thought was interesting was the first and second episodes uh, viewer wise both sat about like one point four ish million this one actually dropped to only about one so it lost almost like roughly half a million viewers um which was interesting and that's not bad for television because like usually it's like half like you lose half your audience after the first two episodes kind of thing yeah and it stayed pretty consistent but we can get to that highlight of this episode for me a couple things so skylar's sister whose name is marie is such an interesting character and I don't know if we will find out what is up with her in a later season, but it's so clear that she's struggling with like something because the first first few episodes, like she is just very down and like un- uninterested in like really anything like speaks very low, very even toned, like doesn't have a lot of enthusiasm about anything really and so there was a whole conversation where Skylar was trying 
it was, and they even make fun of it in the writing of being like, Skylar basically has the type of conversation. It's like, Hey, my friend like thinks you're cute. What would you like think if my friend like thought you were cute? Um, but the conversation here is like, my friend smokes weed and like, she's talking about Walter, but Marie takes it as Skylar found out that Walter Jr is smoking weed and so marie is married to hank so that's that relation and so she calls her husband and is like you need to do like a scared straight style like ride along with walter jr because skylar thinks that he's smoking weed and one thing that i will say about hank's character that's very consistent is he absolutely like rags on walt like don't get me wrong but he does seem to have a very genuine respect for the relationship of Walt being Walter Jr.'s dad. And that's a conversation that Hank has a couple times of like, shouldn't Walt handle this? Like, Walt's his dad. I think that that adds some humanity in a way to Hank's character that we don't see when Hank is actually like on the job and dropping racial slurs and things. And so this was one of those cases where Hank was like, shouldn't Walt deal with the fact that Walter Jr. is smoking weed? And Marie responds by saying, I remember this like very distinctly saying like, uh, Walter Jr. respects you. And it implied this thing of like, Walter Jr. does not respect his dad, which there are glimpses of, but not necessarily a, a strong thing, I feel like. But the fact that Marie says that kind of like, I think maybe bolsters Hank's ego a little bit. So he winds up taking Walt Jr. on a ride to like this drug house. And it's basically like, you see that? That's the Crystal Palace. You know why they call it the Crystal Palace? And like, and he's like, everyone there is on drugs. And then he's like, and he's like, you know how they all started and like has the classic talk of like, everybody who's ever done a hard drug started with weed and and like, doesn't ever actually call Walter Jr. out on smoking weed, but literally just commits to this bit of trying to scare him. And he calls this poor woman over to the car and it's it's very clear that she is living the life of a drug addicted sex worker like that's what we that's what we grasp from this scene and he treats her like shit as one would expect from hank's character but basically is like talk to my buddy here about what was the first drug you ever did like all this stuff and and like being so crude and being like so you're on the pipe or on the needle and she was like i listen i don't have anything on me like i don't do drugs and he was like he was like give my buddy here a smile and she smiles and like her teeth are all fucked up and he goes oh god like definitely the pipe definitely the pipe it was just like really unfortunate and then like she makes a comment about like asking walter jr if he's disabled her word is like what are you crippled and then hank immediately covers and he's like he's a d1 athlete football like football quarterback he got injured like blah blah blah, and just absolutely harassing this woman and like the harassment was not the funny part but it was it was hank's just like commitment to trying to be like what will scare a kid with cerebral palsy the most is like, let me take him to an actual drug house, like who's not even smoking weed, is just a good kid. Then immediately after too, that woman winds up going into 
a like hotel room in the Crystal Palace or whatever. And who's she with? No other than Jesse. But again, that was like to me, that was almost a moment of like the the fire trucks going by because it was like this DEA guy was like right there by Jesse, who is involved with in some way because at this point, like they wind up getting that respirator mask that the child picked up in the previous episode into evidence. And so they like send it away for testing. Um, But again, it's just that moment of like, well, Jesse was the one wearing that mask. Um, And so it was just another like very close call. And like, they don't know who they're looking for at all yet or anything with that mask. But that was just a another like close call moment that I I enjoyed of making these worlds emphasizing how much closer they are than we get in a lot of the other episodes and that duality of like Walter the chemistry teacher and Walter the meth cooker uh, who's like in this crime world so the the predominance of this episode I I feel like was Walt trying to muster up the courage to kill crazy eight because he still hasn't done it um him and jesse get into like a huge argument basically of of like jesse held up his part of the deal even though it didn't necessarily go according to plan but like he did get rid of emilio's uh his ex-partner's body with the acid and everything and walt still hasn't killed crazy eight and so we just get these moments of like walt starts to feed him sandwiches like makes him sandwiches and gives them to him and like provides him uh, a bucket for like bathroom use and like even gives him toilet paper and like water and they wind up having like a lot of talks and one talk in particular like walt is trying to get to know crazy eight like on a personal level and crazy eight even says something along the lines of like you know getting to know me isn't going to make it easier to kill me or whatever i felt like in that moment for me walt getting to know crazy eight was not necessarily a way to make killing him easier and i and i feel like that showed me kind of where both of their heads were at where i felt like walt was almost maybe just actually trying to get to know this person who was bicycle locked to the pole in the basement and crazy eight's head was very much like still about how to get out of the situation murder like all of that kind of stuff and so in one of these moments that we have walt making a sandwich and bringing it to crazy eight walt has a cancer cough flare-up on the stairs and this is a really defining moment for walt i felt like because he passed out for like 15 minutes, like tripped down the remainder of the stairs and wound up like on the floor, just out cold. And so when he like woke up, Crazy Eight winds up being the first person, I'm pretty sure that he tells he has cancer because no, he has kept it to himself at this point. That was like a real moment of vulnerability that I was like, damn, this you're living a whole other life you've got this dude bicycle locked to a pole he's essentially being like tortured and he's the first one that you tell that you have cancer this is the part to me that was like unrealistic but i was like okay like whatever walt goes to like remake crazy at a sandwich because when he passed out the plate like shattered and obviously like was not an edible sandwich anymore he's like he makes the whole new sandwich like upstairs and then he throws something away and then he has this moment of like 
pondering. And then he's like, no. And then he goes into the garbage and he pulls all of the shards out of the trash that he had thrown away. And we discover that there is a like very sharp shank sized piece of the plate missing, which uh, was foreshadowed because I remembered in that moment that Jesse had actually said a line earlier in the episode, man, if I like got the energy up, like I would find a weapon, hide it, and then go right back to my position. And that is exactly what Crazy 8 did because Walt had decided that he was going to let Crazy 8 go, not kill him. So he goes up to make the sandwich to get the keys to let Crazy 8 out and realizes Crazy 8 was fully going to kill him upon him unlocking that bicycle lock. It was so dragged out in a really good way. Like I loved it. I loved I loved watching Walt just like turn around and so he like shifts to the other side of the pole and we just watch Walt staring at the back of Crazy 8's head and like holding the key out but like not moving and basically says you're sure you're not gonna like stab me with that shard of plate or whatever as soon as I let you go. And in that moment, Crazy immediately like pulls it out, tries to start swinging. Walt grabs the bicycle lock and oh my God, it was painful to watch, but strangles Crazy Eight against the pole with the bicycle lock. Meanwhile, he is like waving this shard around trying to just stab at Walt anywhere he can and eventually does stab him like in the leg because Walt has to like put his leg up on the pole to like ultimately get the leverage to like choke Crazy 8 out and Walt kills him. Walt murders Crazy 8 in a very brutal way and has the scars to show it and that again I feel like was another turning point because the whole time after we just get like a solid 10 seconds, which is a, a solid chunk of time, like when you're actually watching something of of Walt just like crying and being like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. We saw no remorse with Jesse putting acid on a body or like really any of the violence that's happened so far. And when we see Walt with this violence, it's just so different because it's not what he wants to be doing. Then he calls his wife, calls Skylar and is like, I'm working late. And this is like a whole thing we haven't really talked about. But like he worked at a car wash and like quit in like a big fuck you moment to his boss. And again, never told anybody. And so Skylar winds up telling him that like, she actually called his boss. And she knows that he hasn't worked at the car wash in a really long time. Um, So that's kind of like an oh fuck moment. And again, that to me is like, as a wife or as a husband, as whatever, my I feel like I'd be like, oh, my partner's fully having an affair. But that's, and I just think it's so interesting that that's not whatever comes up as a question. Then we have a moment of seeing Jesse find the like unlocked bike lock down after he returns from the big argument with Walt and no body of Crazy 8. And so Jesse realizes like, okay, Walt, held up his end of the bargain because now crazy eight's dead then this episode ends with walt gets home to skylar and is basically just like i have something i have to tell you blackout end of episode what i think is done so well there was not a single part of me that watched that was like he's about to confess to her about all of these crimes i was like no he's finally about to tell her that he has cancer and like we don't see it but i think that the fact that these first three episodes were 
crafted in such a way where the big coming out to the wife isn't, I'm a drug dealer. Here's all these things. Here's why I've been home late. It's like, no, I have cancer. And like that we as an audience know that that's what he's confessing to. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, no, that that totally was. That totally was. Like this whole episode, like, like Walt's facing what a real criminal life would be like if he continued to follow this path. Because like, that's like half the conversations he has with Crazy Eight, which he learns his real name's Domingo. Because he's like, why do you name yourself such a ridiculous name? And he's like, well, my name's Domingo. And he's like, oh, like Sunday. And like, he learns that like Crazy Eight, like he went to college for business and stuff. And that his dad runs a store that he bought walt jr's like crib from or something like that exactly yeah because he remembers like the commercials or whatever because they had a fun jingle but like crazy eight he wanted to get into music but his father's like no you got to get a real job and then he ended up because he was working under his father for so long he just didn't want to be that have that life so he went to college did a business degree and then found the world of drug trade and crime it's interesting seeing this because it's walt facing a criminal and he has the opportunity to ask all the questions before like fully committing but like i'm also sitting here being like you've already fully committed like you've already cooked your first few batches you've already killed a person and disposed of the remains and you're debating about having to kill this person full on with your bare hands the other one was fully in self-defense so you can you know argue that off as you will because you were about to be killed but this one's like this is ultimately your choice. It's this really interesting weave of like morality that Walt has to deal with the whole time. I, I remember I just I remember his like his pros and cons list that he started writing up and like to let him go or to kill him kind of thing. And he has all these reasons on to let him go kind of thing to save himself, but one reason to kill him is to protect his family and essentially his legacy more or less because this this episode to me like preludes Walt's inner turmoil of like how he wants to leave his family knowing he's got terminal cancer because he's he's doing all these internal battles within himself ever since he got diagnosed with cancer because he's not telling anyone he's got cancer he's choosing to act out on his own and do these crazy things so he's just and then he murdered the person he did tell he had cancer right yeah and it's just and it's just like why are you choosing to do this all by yourself and it and i think we later learned through the season kind of why it's really telling when like he has that breakdown because he he thought he had a good conversation and that he would keep that crazy eight would keep his word and so, like, he's, he rushes back upstairs he's trying to find the key to let him out but then he has that like wait that cautious wait moment like we would all do and like checks the plate and like literally is like why 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 and like full on breaks down and then there's also I, I think it was in this episode there's like this weird it was like a flashback moment that we don't really know when Walt's younger writing on the on the board with like the percentages of what, what makes, makes a human body and I, and I thought that was very very telling of who Walt is as a character because it's clearly a very young Walt, right? This is like at least 10 years or something. We're just not exactly sure. And he's talking with this other person who we don't know yet. We find out who she is later. What makes up a human body, chemistry-wise kind of thing. They go through it all and they have this like 0.006 something percent left over that they don't know what it is. And this person, she's like, maybe it's the soul. And he's like, 
Nuh-uh, whatever. There's no souls kind of thing. And it has this dichotomy because then he, he loses a strong sense of his morality when he has to kill Crazy Eight. And that's like maybe him starting to see that like he is losing part of himself, his soul kind of thing, because he's doing these terrible acts. And I thought it was like a really interesting play on morality. Um, and then a fun little trivia I kind of came across. the These episode titles, Cats in the Bag and the Bags in the River, apparently is a quote from a 1957 film called Sweet Smell of Success, about some crime families kind of thing. I don't know the movie. Uh, this is just what I quickly like dug up on a quick Google. Apparently one of the guys, he's like taking care of like a snitch or something. So he makes the reference that the cat's in the bag and the bag's in the river. Like he's just been taken out, he's been taken care of. Oh, interesting. Because we do find out that Crazy Eight is the snitch. That's how Jesse's partner Emilio got arrested in the first place. Interesting. That's a cool reference. To finish up this episode, we got episode four, Cancer Man, which is also written by Vince Gilligan, but it's directed by uh, Jim McKay. This is where we truly see like Hank and the DEA being aware of something brewing. They found the car... Uh, sorry, the car that Emilio and Crazy Eight drove out to the RV with Jesse. They like go through it. They find that it's like a stash car. So they find the really clear mess in the car. And so they know that there's something brewing, like something, something is happening. And we're in Albuquerque. I don't know if we ever established that all of this is happening in Albuquerque, but we're in Albuquerque, New Mexico. There's kind of like that part. But then kind of jumping off point for this episode is there's some sort of like family hangout that's happening and it's Walt, Walter Jr., Skyler, and then Murray and Hank. And they're they're having like a conversation and Hank is trying to give like lady advice to Walter Jr. Also like a reoccurring thing is like Hank really wants to fuck Shania Twain. Like that is something that has come up more than once, which is so strange. Um, not that he wants to fuck Shania Twain, but that they're making it a reoccurring like plot point joke. Anyway, so he's trying to get advice and then he's like, you know, your dad used to like have a lot of confidence, right? Like that's the whole thing he's trying to say. Like, you just gotta have confidence. And so he's like, you know how, how your old man and your mom met, right? And like, Walter Jr. gives like a little bit of a recap. Walt jumps in and he's like, well, actually, and then kind of starts going into this really lovely, like reminiscent moment of talking about how he courted Skylar and how they like started talking and ultimately like what led to them kind of like falling in love. And she loses it like she just absolutely starts breaking down to the point where Marie and Hank are like yo are you good like like because they have no idea as to like why or anything again like there's this underlying thing of like is Walt cheating on her because Marie then like tries to console Skylar and Skylar's like ask Walt. And so Marie starts like coming for Walt's life in the questioning, but again, doesn't ask anything about with specificity. And so that is when Walt finally reveals to everybody that he has this lung cancer. That was just such a heartbreaking moment because again it's one of the moments when we see hank act like a, a person and not like a character if that makes sense he even promises like that he's always gonna like take care of his family meanwhile like we're watching walt 
Jr. go through this weird shift of grief because he's like coming from the perspective of like seeing as if his dad is a giving up and b acting like nothing is out of the ordinary and that like everything is super normal and fine. So we start to see like Walt Jr. even more kind of pull away from his dad, which kind of goes into that lack of respect. So that's kind of like that part of it. And and meanwhile, too, like Walt has ended this like crime stuff. He is not in it. He's like, I'm gone. Like Jesse tries to meet up with him at one point and Walt basically is like, get the fuck off my property. I don't want to see you anymore. And then Jesse is having this alternate experience of people have like come over. And it's so interesting because without saying so, we are seeing Jesse struggle with trying to leave addiction. So it's very clear that he's going through these moments of like, I am actively trying not to do meth, whether that is for himself or because Walt made comments of like, we cook it, we don't smoke it for whatever reason. Jesse is trying not to. And there are these two meth heads that come over and they're like hanging out and they try to get Jesse to like share his stash with them. And he's trying to be like, oh yeah, no, it's cool. It's like, it's that response when it's like, People invite you to go out and you really don't want to, but you aren't going to say no. So you're just being really like roundabout about it. That's what he's doing with these guys regarding like the meth. They're ultimately like, dude, if you don't want to share, like just say so. And then they're like, well, we should probably go. And then like go to leave. He's like, no, 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 it's cool. So then he winds up smoking this like really clean meth that Walt made with these two dudes and we watch jesse have the paranoia trip from hell again the funniest thing that they did in this episode was we flash back to jesse curled up in front of his window just like on the floor like peeking out watching and he sees and it's filmed in a way that we know that this is him on drugs because like the edges of the picture are very like blurred and kind of have some movement to them there's like a little bit of a different filter over the images that we're seeing so like and so we're watching and he's seeing these two big ass biker guys with like bats and stuff walking up to the house and start pounding on the door so he freaks out jumps ship like escapes he like he's running he's like doing and a bunch of unnecessary stuff like he could have run around the rv and instead he decided his best option was to go underneath the rv like things like that so he's just running through the neighborhood at this point hopping fences and then we cut back to there's actually like a very gentle knock on his front door and then it is Mormon missionaries like leaving a Jesus pamphlet and it was not bikers coming to kill him they were missionaries but what it leads us to is we see more of Jesse's backstory with like his family life which was not what I expected at all which I loved like I feel like a lot of times when I should say people with addiction and things are like portrayed in media it's often like they came from really low income households or there was a lot of struggle or whatever. And we find out that Jesse's parents are like fairly well off middle class, if not higher, like really love Jesse. And Jesse's got a little brother 
But we find out like through his parents that they have taken him back multiple times throughout his addiction and stuff. It did a really like nice job, I felt like, of showing the hardship of a family who truly loves and supports and cares about somebody that just consistently won't take the help or is not actually interested in getting better and therefore like they have to eventually distance themselves. And what was heartbreaking is this younger brother is a prodigy. He's like won all of these awards. Like he's got like an environmental science scholarship or something like he he's very on it. And so it's a very clear difference of like Jesse is a burnout drug dealer. And this young kid who's like in, I don't know, maybe sixth grade is a literal prodigy. Jesse makes a comment about him, about this younger brother being like the perfect kid or like the one, the favorite. He says the favorite. And we have this moment where the younger brother is like, oh, I'm the favorite and being like, they never stop talking about you, which again is like these parents did not abandon Jesse. Like Jesse truly just keeps leaving. In a moment of seeming like he does want to try to fix things or at least not do meth anymore, the parents find a joint and it lines up with Jesse being in the house. And so they kick him out of the house. In true Jesse fashion, he takes the joint with him out the door, which I thought was very funny. But what we find out is that it was actually the younger brother's joint because the younger brother comes out and is like, thank you for, you know, covering for me. Also asks for the joint back, which Jesse crumples it up and stomps on it and says it was skunkweed anyway, which I thought was very funny. There were two things about that whole thing that stood out for me. It was just like, one, this was the first time where Jesse didn't actually fuck up. And this was the last straw for the parents. And so it was really unfortunate that that's the way that that happened. And two, Jesse clearly is not this... I don't give a fuck criminal that he tries to paint himself out to be because if he was, he would have handed that joint right back to the kid. And he didn't. He intentionally didn't even take it for himself. He crumpled it, made sure it was unusable for this young kid to smoke and like got in the taxi cab and left. That again, that whole thing just, I feel like gave a much deeper insight into Jesse's development, even in the last like however many days it's been working with with Walt versus when we first saw him dropping out of the window. Then they have their their big get the fuck off my property fight. Due to a conversation that happened at that like family barbecue thing, Walt and Skylar make an appointment with like the cancer doctor. And he does say that Walt's cancer is treatable, like with chemo, but makes a point to be like treatable does not mean curable. So like for Skylar, as the spouse of somebody who like, obviously, like she loves him, they have a daughter on the way, like that whole side of things, like she is ecstatic. She's like, Oh, my God, like we, we're going to get you into treatment, everything's going to be okay. For Walt, it all goes back to money, which is the driving force through all of this. It's like he is a man at death's door, who has nothing, but specifically nothing monetarily, nothing financially. And so his biggest scare is not being able to like pay the money for getting chemo. And we ultimately find out that like he 
isn't really interested in treatment, but he isn't saying that outright quite yet. He's being very passive about it. And he's kind of letting Skylar have her joy without giving a flat no, but he's also not diving in with the doctor and being like, yes, like let's start this. So I feel like this episode was a lot less drug based and was a lot more like more world building storytelling, kind of pushing the characters narratives. These are going to be part of this ensemble cast because it's going to, we're going to have a lot of different plots going on. Jesse's brother, younger brother, Jake, uh, I believe is his name. He's 12. So having all those achievements and like he like wrote to a newspaper and they published it in a scholarly article and all that stuff. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But like he also has that switch where he's just like mom and dad always talk about you, Jesse, kind of thing. And like Jesse has no idea. I think we learned like Jesse wanted to be an artist, right? Because he pulls out an old chemistry test, one from being in Walt's class, right? And it's got a big ass F on it. It's like you failed Walt as a teacher's note, writes, you're better than this. You just need to apply yourself. You wrote ridiculous, apply yourself. And we see Jesse have like a whole moment reading that. Right. I think it's going to be something that's going to like stick with him as well as us a little bit as this thing that's going to continue in this relationship if it continues between Walt and Jesse, which I think we can arguably say we know will continue. But it's 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 really interesting because we see like Jesse wasn't interested in what his parents wanted him to do, like scholarly type work kind of thing. He wanted to be an artist, you know, because we see all these like fun childhood cartoony drawings that he's done that are like arguably really really well done for like him doing it through middle school and high school and stuff that he clearly dropped and like he just wanted to make some sort of reputation for himself and he thought he was hot shit enough to cook meth and be a drug dealer for pot and stuff which I think it's just it shows a lot who Jesse is like he he is someone who is way in over his head but like plays out with a confidence that he knows what's what because he's he is smart he's like a smart kid he's got connections like he had connections to figure out initially how to sell the first batch that he and walt cooked up and stuff like that and that's really interesting but also throughout this episode there's this like really like subtle subplot line uh when walt's busy like trying to get money because there's the first five thousand dollar deposit to even like see a doctor and stuff and like i remember he's trying to get into his bank or whatever and a parking spot opens and it's like the traditional thing of like, oh, I'll back up, hit the turn signal, be patient, and this like minivan gets out and then this hotshot guy who's like this like Wall Street wannabe out in Albuquerque, New Mexico kind of guy, right? Just swings in with his red convertible kind of thing and he's got his license plate reads uh, Ken wins, and like Walt's like, "Are you are you kidding me?" kind of thing, and it's and it's funny just seeing him back as this like normal person, like getting upset as a normal person. Because and the whole time he's waiting in line at the bank, this guy is just being an asshole on his Bluetooth headset phone, and he's like so he's talking about money so flippantly, and that's I think part of what's driving Walt's anger too is he's like talking about something about like his bonus and the bonus alone is like 40 grand or something. We all know that person, right? Like we've all seen that person. We've encountered that person in our lives and it's like, it's so relatable and it's so funny how much it's like pissing Walt off. But like, we also have these like three previous episodes where like Walt has done some scary shit. 
but he's like keeping his cool but like we can like feel him like getting angry and then like it all subsides because he gets to the next teller kind of thing but then like at the end of the episode serendipitously he comes across <laughs> Ken wins again because he's at a gas station because Walt is worried about it's like $90,000 worth of treatment or something like it's a big number and like he doesn't make enough on a teacher's salary clearly like in the background through the first these first episodes we know like money is a bit of a concern kind of thing like they don't because there's a I think it's like either episode one or two Skylar was on the phone with like the phone company kind of thing being like oh i totally sent that bill in did it get lost in the mail and like we're like initially we just play that off as like oh that's old 2000s thing but like maybe that was like skylar dodging money or something and lying to someone right and when we also know that they don't have hot water in episode one two and walter jr's like can we get a new hot water heater and then like that's also very brushed over yeah so like it's all these like subtle things that like we start being like oh wait maybe there is like a bigger issue with money but uh so walt taking out all this pent-up frustration because he he's dealing with more people knowing about his cancer and how people want him to get help but he knows how costly it is and and he's dealing with his inner turmoil of how he wants to go out kind of thing right he just you know goes over there uh, takes a uh, uh, one of those uh, window washer guys at the gas station, opens up the guy's hood and throws it on the battery and explodes his car in a gas station and just walks away and drives off. <laughs> okay, what's Walt? What's going on with Walt? You know, and that's just kind of how the episode ends. You're just like, huh, I wonder what we got in store for the rest of the season, you know? And it's like, it's such a good midway anything goes. We're seeing these bursts of like, this new Walt in these kind of like more aggressive forms. So like the car for sure. So also, uh, which we haven't talked about in the very first episode, we see like Walt have another one of these like outbursts, which is him and Skylar take Walt Jr. to go shopping for some new pants. And there are like these three kids who are just being bullies in the corner and making fun of Walt Jr. and and his disability and everything. And Walt like tells Skylar like don't do anything. And Walt leaves out the back, goes around the front so that the kids don't see him, and then fully like kneecaps the guy. The well, that's not the right word, but like takes his foot and like stomps on the back of the main guy's leg, and then like pushes him there and continues to like put pressure that is like a time where we see walt jr look at his dad with such pride of like damn my dad's kind of a badass meanwhile skylar's looking at him like what the fuck is happening as he's fully just assaulting this like teenage bully and then the the kid tries to like talk smart back at him and was like you got one shot you better make it good like taunting him to like punch him in the face because he's like because he's like because then i'm gonna hit back and it was crazy so i feel like we got that in the that was in the pilot so then yeah at the end that was like right at the start of he's like gonna start going into these kind of risky criminal endeavors and then by season four or not season four by episode four he's blowing up a man's car it's it's crazy yeah it's crazy like the scale it's gone to and and to me that's like walt kind of ultimately succumbing to his own broken morality he's like 
I'm just going to go by my own set of rules now, right? Which is kind of crazy. Doing a little research into it, uh, Vince Gilligan did say this is a uh, major turning point in the series. And it's speculated because Walt reveals his cancer to his family. Or it's because, and or, you know, because it's a big episode, he commits to his first willful and spiteful act of violence kind of thing, if you think about it, right? Because everything else is kind of like had a reason. Yeah, this is the first unprompted. Which kind of like just sets up like, oh, this is this series is going to get crazy. And then just fun little Easter egg things, because I've, I've seen this in Better Call Saul. Ken shows up in Better Call Saul. What you'll learn eventually when we get to Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul, the majority of that series is set before Breaking Bad, like a few years before kind of thing. So like Ken shows up there. But yeah, this it's just so fun. It's so fun to jump back into this and like to have someone who's like never seen it before and get get your reactions. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm so in this. I'm excited to start watching season two. So but for now, next week, we're going to talk about some movies, right? Yes, we are. We We haven't shared our choices for this one. We haven't. The theme is animated, right? It is. So, so what do you got? What do you got? All right. Mine is going to be uh, The Road to El Dorado from 2000. That's, that'll be fun. That's, I think we both have seen it, so it'll be a fun rewatch for me. and It'll be a good time. This is one I just want everyone to always see because it's, it's a great anime. I went Japanese animation. It's Redline. It'll be fun to talk about. We focus on animated. But yeah, we will return to Breaking Bad eventually to finish off this season in a few episodes from now. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. Please like us, give us stars, all the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the podcast places, you know, it's a good, it's a good plug. Yeah, it's, like it's you know, just the, the classic, the likes, reviews, and subscribes. <laughs> oh, yeah, leave leave comments for us, you know, if you got ideas for us, the stuff to watch. and Or tell us that we should just, you know, shut the fuck up. If you want us to stop talking about Breaking Bad, sure, we can stop talking about Breaking Bad, but I feel like it's a lot of fun, but, you know. <laughs> I second. Yeah. Anyways, you've been listening to Resonant Reels, uh, and we hope to see you next time, or... Have you listened to us next time, right? Yeah. That's how podcasts work. Audio.